Welcome to It Awaits You, a podcast composed of true Southern Gothic tales for the modern age. Welcome back to the grim odyssey of 11 women and one man robbed of their lives and a look into Antoine Pittman's connections to them as the suspected murderer, with Rocky Mount, North Carolina, serving as the setting, all of it pointing to the two unbalanced American realities that shape the tale you've been listening to. And at last, it's time to immerse yourself in the end of Antoine Pittman's trial, his conviction for the first-degree murder of Tara Nicholson his life in prison, and eventually, the questions left in the wake of the Seven Bridges Killer. On September 29, 2011, Antoine's defense attorneys, Tommy Moore and Tom Salinger, delivered their closing argument together in front of a poster showcasing the definition of reasonable doubt, which reads as follows. The state must convince you that the defendant is guilty beyond reasonable doubt, A reasonable doubt is a doubt based on reason and common sense, arising out of some or all of the evidence that has been presented, or lack or insufficiency of the evidence, as the case may be. Proof beyond a reasonable doubt is proof that fully satisfies or entirely convinces you of the defendant's guilt. The first attorney to speak, Tommy Moore, also reminded the jury Antoine was presumed innocent and it was the state's burden to convince them that of the 57,000 people in and around Edgecombe County, Antoine was Tara's murderer. Following this premise was a battle of narratives, neither completely convincing, that would seal Antoine's fate. After dispensing with formalities and in between frequent sips of water, Moore brought up two points. Antoine didn't have to testify. It wasn't his responsibility, but he didn't choose to run and hide, a point the defense would echo frequently, almost to a fault. And to top that, he said the state could not definitively determine when Tara Nicholson died, which was actually true. So take a moment to ask yourself this. If it's not true that Tara had died 24 hours or less after sex with Antoine, if she possibly lived longer after their encounter, Does it change your mind about his guilt? Dr. Oliver, a pathologist for the state, testified that Tara could have been dead for one to three days when on the witness stand. Interestingly, he didn't have his report on hand during questioning and had to borrow Moore's copy being used by the defense. He was pressed to admit the original report actually said Tara could have been dead anywhere from three days to two weeks before she was found, noting the weather made it difficult to arrive at a confident conclusion. Of course, if true, this challenges the idea that Tara must have died soon after sex with Antoine on Sunday, March 1st, 2009, 24 hours or less, according to two SBI lab experts that testified for the state. And after all this time, the dueling science at the trial still seems murky especially when you consider the state lab's history of mistakes. From there, 
Moore critiqued the state's case, which as he saw it, came down to a flawed, dual approach. They had only proven Antoine and Tara had sex. And the material about Tara on his computer? Well, that was cherry-picked out of months of activity on the computer. Activity from potentially multiple users. In fact, the SBI computer analyst did search for certain phrases only, such as murder and rape. The resulting rape-themed porn videos and websites found on Antoine's computer were used by the prosecution to paint the portrait of a depraved killer's online activity. And as far as the women testifying, once sex workers attacked by Antoine, Moore considered them untrustworthy. He said Miss Worsley and Miss Moore had a common theme. They were sex workers and their minds had to be damaged by their lifestyle over the years. He casually threw in that both women had been convicted of larceny. What kind of mind would you have, he said. Could you remember every detail? Is that credible? You can't believe those women. He also didn't buy the stories about their behavior post-attack, obviously discounting a firm knowledge of how some victims submit to their attackers out of reflex, a shock response to trauma. He led the jury through what he found odd. Miss Moore didn't call the police in 2004, didn't go to the hospital, and didn't report until three or four years later, during the height of the murders, to a detective that wasn't at the trial. To make matters worse, the state couldn't produce a report from that detective. Then, in 2010, she conveniently comes forward, as well as Miss Worsley, during the pretrial phase. Regardless of Antoine's guilt or innocence, it's easy to see how an attorney might not be able to see past his own privilege when it comes to why a woman would remain in a car with a man who just attacked her, to get a ride home from the middle of nowhere in hopes of saving her own life by not angering him further, or even more so, why she would wait years to report. His inability to process their perspective was palpable. Salinger, the next attorney fighting for Antoine's freedom, pointed out the women, because of their background in sex work, made them coached and prepared witnesses when it came to talking to people, just like the professionals and experts the prosecution had brought before the jury. Tom Salinger said Antoine was the only real person, the only real man, that had testified during the trial. Going further, he suggested Antoine's soft-spoken voice and restrained demeanor were an indication of his genuine innocence and signs of a man fighting for his life. However, by now you know, this was not enough to convince the jury, nor was anything the attorneys said beforehand. And yet the defense still had one unfortunate card up their sleeve, and whether intentional or not, it involved insulting Tara Nicholson's character in the jury's mind. Given the reality of Tara's lifestyle, her body showed evidence of multiple DNA contributors. Tara's shirt revealed touch DNA from several people, an unknown allele on the black panties found at the scene, and of course, Antoine's DNA inside her, the only location of Antoine's DNA. And this does technically match Antoine's changed story, that he dropped her off safely and she was on to the next customer. In the minds of Antoine's attorneys, this should have widened the gap of reasonable doubt between Antoine's freedom and life in prison. For the skeptics out there, this additional DNA evidence 
paired with questions about the timeline of Tara's death, could raise alarm about Antoine's conviction. On top of that, when you think about how curated the computer evidence could have been, the mind could start to wonder, is Antoine Pittman guilty? Salinger continued to root his points in the idea of reasonable doubt, still displayed on the poster behind him. He pondered out loud to the jury. Had Detective Harold gathered everything at the scene possible? All he had really shown the jury definitively was the fact Tara was found in the woods by a group of people. Salinger implored the jury to recognize the idea that you should not be charged with murder for having sex with someone. He noted the username on the computer cited frequently as evidence included an extra letter I in Antoine, reading Antoine, a username frequented by many people at multiple residences. He reminded the jury the childhood homes of Antoine meant nothing in relation to the murder, given he was surrounded by well over 50,000 people that could have also committed the murder. He even critiqued the lack of substantial evidence produced by the state, given the time they had to prepare their case. Salinger reiterated the state could not tell anyone when Tara Nicholson died, and the case was about more than the so-called common sense the prosecution asked of them. He asked the jury if they were fully satisfied, if they were entirely convinced, as he pointed to the phrases in the definition of reasonable doubt. As he spoke, he grew more animated with this next message. Antoine is enduring all of this for the dumbest mistake of his life. He is not guilty of first-degree murder in this case or any case. You don't convict someone of first-degree murder simply because they have sex with a prostitute. That's not the standard of proof in this case. Not this system of justice. Not this trial. This trial is about proving a case beyond reasonable doubt the highest standard that we have. This is the most significant case because it can send him to jail for life without parole. Antoine was the only non-professional witness that took the stand. Even Miss Moore and Miss Worsley were experienced interacting with people because of their line of work getting money. We have a tendency to want to believe people when we don't know them. They expect us to believe instead of questioning where Nicholson was between her encounter with Antoine on March 1st and being found dead. It's a huge leap to explain her fate as tied to Antoine. Coincidence and misfortune. After those remarks, coincidence or not, the misfortune continued for Antoine. Salinger delivered a lengthy biblical anecdote, comparing the plight of Antoine to that of Joseph, having been cast out of his family and community by conspiring brothers, only to later prove himself a moral and compassionate person. This long-winded speech, paired with the obscure historical references from earlier in the closing arguments, did not pair well with the argument based around reasonable doubt. And during the prosecution's closing argument, any doubt that remained about Antoine's guilt in the collective mind of the jury would soon disappear. In summary, The defense raised several points that failed to sway the jury to Antoine's side. There was different DNA on Tara's shirt from someone else, touch DNA, as it's called, in addition to more DNA on her black panties. They also noted the crime scene could have been disturbed. The prosecution's response was simple but effective. 
Antoine wasn't charged with touching Tara's shirt. The defense also objected to information about Antoine's computer being entered as evidence. They argued the prosecution's presented details were used selectively in a biased manner when the totality of activity found on the hard drive should have been explored. Ultimately, the judge accepted the computer evidence. The jury was allowed to hear about the multiple rape-themed pornographic websites visited on Pittman's computer. RapeCore, RapeShot, RapeGalaxy, Daddy Rape Me. Those are just a few. Three videos found in the recycling bin were shown in particular. Here's a direct quote from the district attorney, Robert Evans, regarding the videos. In most criminal cases, we don't have what's on someone's mind. Except in this case, we do. It's on his computer. You saw what was on his mind. This is about violence. Degrading women to be used as objects and thrown away. That's what was on his mind, ladies and gentlemen. But the prosecution fought for the computer evidence for reasons beyond the rape websites and videos. The computer evidence also confirmed accessed articles about Tara Nicholson's body being found three days after her body was found, not to mention a saved picture of her. The file was created after the SBI interview at the chicken plant later that summer. The imagery and ideas were damning. Regardless of the defense noting the computer had no password protection and was accessible by Pittman's family and friends at different locations during different periods of time. The third and just as unsuccessful attempt to dismantle the case against Antoine came in the form of the defense attacking the character of the women, previously sex workers, who testified about being cornered and assaulted by Antoine in Rocky Mount, as well as on Seven Bridges Road. You've heard about Darlene Moore who told the court she was choked and kidnapped on her birthday in 2004 and taken to Seven Bridges Road by a man she identified as Antoine. But another woman who survived an attack, Lakeisha Worsley, testified as well. She was assaulted inside the city limits of Rocky Mount, but managed to free herself from the man's captive grasp once they arrived outside city limits a man she also identified as Antoine in court. Prosecution used this as support for the idea that Antoine had been evolving as a killer all these years, that he saw the unpredictability of the city, the exposure, and turned his attention to the country roads he grew up on as a safer haven for distraction-free murder. On top of the DNA evidence, internet history, and victim testimony, the prosecution continued to remind the jury of Antoine's changing story and lies to the SBI agents in July 2009. They pointed out that by Antoine's own admission, he used the Carolina Inn Motel to the point that he got a discount on rooms by the hour. Antoine later claimed he knew of the motel from his days of taking women there after visiting the now-closed Club Fiasco. His inability to provide a clear and detailed story from the beginning, his inability to explain very peculiar connections to Tara without changing his story, these issues became part of the case against him in real time as he sat on the stand, eyes peering from side to side, attempting to remain calm. He was fulfilling the prosecution's prophecy of a scrambling man, 
once confident in his evasion of the truth. Antoine claimed all points made by the prosecutor were pure coincidence, each denial more awkward, regardless of how soft-spoken. From Antoine's point of view, having sex with Tara was out of sync with his usual character, despite all evidence that had been presented to the contrary. But Antoine's rattling during cross-examination was only the beginning of the end. Try as his attorneys might to preserve Antoine's credibility, the prosecution was poised to poignantly condemn the idea of a man with little hard evidence. In one week, the finale, the end of the trial, Antoine's life in prison, and all that's left unsaid in the investigation of the Seven Bridges killer, a case that is slipping away from the public's focus for the same reason it took so long to appear in the first place, lost in what has been deemed the lesser of two American realities. It awaits you. In the meantime, you can find us on social media and get even more content through our Patreon, where your support is very appreciated. If you like this episode and want others to hear about it, Take a moment to follow, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, it awaits you.